we ask if they know any scary stories. The stories they share, it's not a ghost story. It's a, well, one time when my family and I were escaping Syria and the guns were going off and the bombs were going off and, and you know, the stories get pretty, pretty gritty and pretty serious pretty quick. But that's just the, the reality that these kids have lived and now they're here living a normal childhood. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So imagine your ghost stories being real stories from your past. Uh, Like you heard Justin Wilson say in the beginning of this episode. That's the reality that he faces being a scout leader of one of the only, if not the only, all-refugee Boy Scout troop in the country. They have a lot of unique challenges and a lot of unique opportunities that a lot of scouts never even dream of. And Justin is a great guy, volunteers his time to do this. And it's a Boy Scout group right here in Denver. And I'm just going to say, you know, some of their needs are uh, hard shell clothing like jackets and pants. Um, but if you were in the area or if, or if this episode, you know, touches your heart or, you know, strikes a chord with you and you want to get involved or get a hold of Justin, please reach out. I will try to put all his contact information in the show notes. Um, but connecting people, especially people who wouldn't have the chance otherwise with the outdoors is such a huge, huge, huge deal. And it's something this show and I truly, truly believe in that outdoors changes lives. So if you see a way to get involved, please do it. I hope you enjoy the story. You know, honestly, I, we should have talked for three or four hours just about how cool this is. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, today's sponsors are Athletic Brewing, who are funding the Adventure Grant. You've heard me say it for the last few months, but today is the last day. This is the 31st of May. Tomorrow, applications closed. We've had a ton of great entries. If you are still thinking about doing an adventure this year, apply. You have today to do it. Um, Athletic Brewing is funding it. Great makers of uh, awesome non-alcoholic craft beer. Check them out. Discount in the show notes. As well as CS Instant Coffee. They are the makers of 100% Arabica coffee in little single-serve packets. so You can take it anywhere you go. As well as the Nomadic a subscription box service for outdoor enthusiasts made by outdoors enthusiasts. So check them out. Deals in the show notes. And we're giving away three of those subscription boxes. So follow the URL and fill that out. All right. Summer is just around the corner. Getting stoked. Here's the episode. Hey folks, uh, welcome to the show. Today we are talking to a Boy Scout leader of Troop 1532. They are an all-refugee Boy Scout troop based in Aurora, Colorado, which is a suburb of Denver. 
And uh, yeah, this leader is Justin Wilson. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before, but um, you guys are an all-refugee Boy Scout troop. Now, now, how does that work and how did that get started? Sure. So this is, as far as we know, one if the only or maybe the only all-refugee Boy Scout troop in the country. So it's pretty unique and something that's pretty fun to be a part of. It got started about four and a half years ago by a guy named Dr. PJ Parmar. He was from the Chicago area originally. He was in Boy Scouts as a youth, but he's an immigrant from Canada and his ethnic uh, origins is is, uh, Punjabi. And so he definitely knew what it felt like to be different than the other kids. And when he got older and established his own medical practice here in Aurora, where he serves refugees uh, at his medical practice, he decided to build up a little community around that. He purchased a building where he leases out space to refugee-owned businesses. And then he wanted to start a Boy Scout troop so that refugees could experience the outdoors, could experience uh, the American cultural aspect of Boy Scouts without having to feel like they're different, so that they felt like they had a place where everyone was like them and they could feel comfortable and safe. Wow. So tell us about the troop now. How many people are involved? How many boys? And uh, yeah, how's it going? So the troop has grown a lot over the past four and a half years. I know that nationally, the Boy Scout membership keeps declining, but we have the opposite problem in our troop. There are so many kids that want to be a part of it. Sometimes we struggle to have enough adults to serve them. So I'd say when PJ got started, it was probably about maybe eight or 10 scouts and himself and a couple other leaders that were helping out kind of part-time. Now we're at a point where we have probably 35 scouts on our roster on any given camp out. We could have anywhere from 20 to 30 scouts show up. We've got myself as scout master and then about three or four other really highly dedicated assistant scout masters who are almost always there. So we're getting to have a really consistent group. We've uh, been able to do a lot of cool things out here in Colorado. The biggest group we ever had was uh, last fall. We did a trip to Moab for a weekend and we ended up bringing 62 youth that weekend. It was quite the trip. Dang, man, that is that is awesome. And so, um, you know, when the, when the students go, the parents can go too? Or how does that work? Because I was never in Boy Scouts. I went to one introductory meeting because they were giving away free baseball cards. And then I, I never continued after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's too bad. But uh, um, yeah, so parents are certainly welcome to come. We don't currently have any parents that participate. Most of our scouts' parents do not speak English, so that makes it a little bit of a challenge. However, they'd certainly still be welcome if they wanted to come. What we generally run into, though, is a lot of these families have a lot of kids, and so parents are working maybe two jobs, trying to make ends meet, and also taking care of babies at home. And so oftentimes the parents just don't have the time to be able to go out and and do camping. Also, the type of camping that we do here in the U.S., it's a little bit foreign to a lot of these Uh, parents who came from refugee camps thinking, why on earth would you want to go back to a situation where you're sleeping on the ground? And so it's something new that we're introducing to these, uh, to these young, young men and actually young women as well. So we have, we have volunteer leaders who go out, who don't have kids of their own, who take all these scouts out, but we're always open to new volunteers and new parents if they'd like to come. That is so cool. So, so what about, and now is there anything about Denver specifically that that's, um, had you focus on all refugee aspect? I mean, I, I, I hear Denver is kind of a hub for, for refugees. Is that, is that true? What do you know about that? Cause I'm not, I'm not familiar. 
Well, I know that we've got a good refugee population here. I don't know actually how that compares to other big cities across the United States, but we, we definitely have a sizable refugee population, especially in Aurora. We have refugees from Nepal, from Somalia, uh, Rwanda, Congo, uh, Burma, Ira- Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, you know, you name it. We've got refugees from pretty much almost any, any place in the world here. And so, yeah, there's a great community of, of kids who are desperately looking for services. And in kind of the inner city Aurora, there's not quite as much for kids to do. And so we like to provide that additional opportunity for them. What kind of unique challenges do you face with all refugee kids? Yeah, so we, we definitely have some challenges, both internal and external. I'd say internally, some of the challenges that we face are, um, as we talked about, the, the lack of parents having the abil- availability to get involved. So we need to look you know, completely outside these kids' families for our adult volunteers, which is the opposite of how most scout troops work. There's, of course, language barriers at times. With the scouts, that's not too much of a problem. If we have a scout who doesn't speak English or doesn't speak it very well, generally speaking, he'll have a friend who can translate for him. There's uh, challenges in communicating with the parents, but again, we rely on the scouts to kind of be the interpreters there. And in terms of getting the scouts out there, getting them organized, getting them to show up for campouts, there's no one at home pushing them out the door saying, hey, remember, it's camping time. We send them home with a little calendar of campouts, and we've got a Facebook chat group with all the kids in it. We remind them when camping is, and they either show up or they don't. So those are some of our internal struggles. The external struggles that we face really has a lot to do with misinformation about refugees or, or people's negative perceptions of refugees. And so sometimes if we go out camping, uh, especially in more rural areas, We'll occasionally run into other scout troops or other leaders who uh, who don't like the fact that we've got a group of refugees out there. And so that's a big struggle for us is to try to shield the scouts from that so that they're not running into any sort of stuff like that um, so they can just go out and focus on having a good time. Dang, man, that is crazy. So, so what are some of the things that, I mean, do others, literally other scout troops will say stuff to you? Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Um, Gosh, so what is some of that, what is some of that resistance? Yeah, so um, we've had comments that uh, people, you know, who don't really know us and don't haven't seen our troop operate just by looking at us, tell us that we're not running a scouting program like it should be run. We've had people tell us that um, our scouts should not be allowed to go to summer camp because it may be a danger to the other boys there. Um, I mean, anything like that. But it, but again, it doesn't happen all the time. It generally happens a few times a year. And as leaders, we do our best to try to shield the scouts from that because they don't need to hear that. Uh, our troop is supposed to be a place where they feel welcome, where they feel a sense of belonging. And so we don't want them hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Now, how do you, because it's, you know, if it's an all refugee group, is there any pressure to include other people or, or, or to include non-refugee students or, or scouts to kind of help versify? I mean, I know it's kind of funny to say, but... <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, And we actually are certainly open to non-refugees, but the caveat is if a non-refugee wants to participate, then that that scout's uh, family needs to participate as well. And so we kind of offer a special deal for refugees where they don't need to pay anything. It's completely free and they don't need to have any parents or guardians tag along. If, If another boy comes along who, you know, let's say is is American or or something like that, 
uh, non-refugee status, even an immigrant who's not refugee, maybe from uh, Central America or something, if they want to participate, then the the opportunity still exists. But they need to understand that, first of all, we run this with a focus on refugees. We run it through kind of a refugee lens. And that may or may not work for that boy and his family. And also, they need to participate in the same way that they would in a kind of a traditional scout troop, meaning that they're going to have to have a parent or guardian attend to help provide adult supervision and also help pay for some events. And how long have you been involved? I've been involved now for almost four years. What's the experience been like for you? Oh, the experience has just been fantastic. I originally got involved in this troop because I, I've been involved in scouting pretty much my whole life. And I actually also run a nonprofit, a national nonprofit called Scouts for Equality, which advocates for a more inclusive Boy Scouts of America. It was through that organization that I heard of this refugee troop. And I originally joined, honestly, thinking I would be kind of an assistant. I would help out from time to time, not thinking I'd have time to get really deeply involved. But after one summer camp with these scouts, I realized how special of an opportunity it was. And I just kept coming back. I've learned so much from the scouts here. I've learned about their culture. I've learned about their food. I've learned about what it means to operate a program for refugees. I've learned about the, the culture of, of this part of Aurora. Um, and I've, I've started to learn a little bit about what it might be like to be a, a young person of color and the, the challenges that you face every day things that you, I just never saw before. That is interesting. So, so Scouts for Equality, you say that's nationwide. What would, tell us a little bit about that. What do you do with that? Yeah, so Scouts for Equality is a nonprofit that was started almost seven years ago now, and it was in response to the Boy Scouts ban on openly gay scouts and leaders. So we advocate for more inclusive and welcoming Boy Scouts. We pushed for the end of the ban on gay scouts and leaders, which uh, we succeeded in that in 2013 for youth and 2015 for adults. And then over the past few years, the Boy Scouts has continued to open their doors a bit more, welcoming trans boys and now girls as well. One issue that we're still pushing for is that the Boy Scouts still ban atheists. And uh, we believe that any kid should, should have the chance to go camping and learn about the outdoors regardless of his or her, uh, you know, faith background or belief. So we'd like to see that ban eliminated and then just work on making the Boy Scouts the most welcoming place it can be for all families. The Boy Scouts bans atheists? It does. It's wow. not something that a lot of people know about. Well, I mean, how many kids uh, are atheists, like, by, I don't know, by, by uh, have, have a, such a strong stance of it? Right. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. Um, we, we know now that based on recent data, it looks like up to 20% of our population is is probably kind of the religious nun. Now, whether or not they identify as atheist or just kind of don't care, I don't know. Um, but it's something that the Boy Scouts is going to have to deal with eventually. It, it also um, creates challenges for them in operating in public spaces where uh, they, they're not allowed to partner with public schools because they discriminate against atheists. And that's that's not okay from a public school perspective. Oh man, you know, it's just, I, I agree with you. It, I don't think the outdoors, I don't care who you are, what you're going through, what your beliefs are, what, you know, who you, what do you identify as time spent in the outdoors and time skills learned in the outdoors are going to improve the life of anyone, anywhere from any background. And the more people that get out there, I think just the better 
our society is if more and more people know the power and the beauty of, of, of the outdoors, you know? Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Man, and, and it is so cool that you are trying to get people who wouldn't have this opportunity naturally out there. So, so, so what, are some of the, what are some of the coolest experiences you've had with some of your troops out on maybe camping trips or some of your excursions? Oh, there's, there's so many cool experiences. Yeah, I know. It's uh, kind of a I, big question. Right. No, that's, that's great though. I, I love, I love talking about some of our stories. Um, actually for, for a little while I started even writing down after our campouts cause there were so many things that started happening. Um, so I would say some of the, the coolest experiences are introducing these, uh, these young men to experiences that they've just never had before. So Almost every single time we bring a new scout out, when he sets up his tent, he'll say, I'm so proud. This is the first time I ever made my own tent. And you can just see the, the look in their eyes of, of that, that pride of having wow. built something they're going to stay in. Um, things like bringing a, a guy fishing for the first time or even something simple like introducing new foods. I brought some blueberries to the or blackberries to the last camp out. I don't remember which. And and started passing them around to the scouts and probably half our scouts had never had them before. Wow. Um, that is crazy. But there, there's also big things too, that we've done things like going whitewater rafting or, um, shooting bows and arrow and, uh, hiking up mountains here, going on top of a 14 er in Colorado here, going all the way out to Moab and letting them see the desert. So really, uh, what we focus on is we focus on the big and small in my troop. We focus on, show these guys opportunities that they can have within their own neighborhoods. So we spend several campouts a year just at local state parks that are within 20 minutes drive of their house, but also show them what else exists, get, get their interest sparked in something that they might, um, you know, take an interest in later in life, show them what it's like to be up in the high country, up on top of a 14 or show them what the desert's like, show them climbing, um, mountain biking, rafting, and, and see what interests them. I, I'm sure you've just seen tons of change in some of these some of these boys. Oh, absolutely! It's it's a really great feeling when you see a kid for you know several years. You really get to know them. You watch them grow up, and you see them start putting into action some of the things that you've been teaching them. So, things like uh, the Boy Scout Rank Advancement System, we haven't traditionally done that, but we just recently started doing more of that. And it's pretty cool to uh, to teach a guy some some knots that he's going to need on his next camp out and then watch him, you know, teach others or put those into practice. Um, talk about the values of, of how we respect the outdoors and how we respect others. And then if uh, one of the scouts starts slipping up, you know, just ask the question, is that is that really what a tenderfoot scout would be doing right now? And you can see it kind of process in their mind and they think, no, no, you're right. Um, so it's pretty cool seeing that stuff. And, and another Another cool experience is is learning their stories, getting to know these scouts, getting to know the challenges they've been through. We have uh, you know twelve and thirteen year old scouts who, when we're sitting around the campfire, we ask them to start. We ask if they know any scary stories, and the stories they share it's not a ghost story. It's a well, one time when my family and I were escaping Syria and the guns were going off and the bombs were going off and and you know the stories get pretty pretty gritty and pretty serious pretty quick. But that's just the the reality that these kids have lived, and now they're here living a normal childhood. So we just provide an opportunity for them to feel safe and secure and welcome and, and make sure that they feel okay sharing their stories. 
Athletic Brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or, you know, if, you, if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens. I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer. This is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories. With IPA, golden ale, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings, Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste. Uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, if you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Yeah, I, I, I used to tell ghost stories around campfires. I can't imagine those ghost stories being literally stories from my childhood, you know, of... Or right. even a, just a few years ago, and how much scarier it is to to for all that to actually be real rather than right. some story I just make up and freak myself out with. Man, that is just crazy unique. And so you you know you said you have scouts from all over all over the world, like all over different countries. How do you guys how do you guys mix all those cultures together? Is that is that tough, or or is everyone pretty understanding of one another? It can be challenging at times, of course. Uh, there, there will be disagreements. There will be, you know, uh, fights, stuff like that between kids, just like all kids. Um, we really try to stress our, some of our core values ever, on every camp out. So things like we respect each other and so on, um, that we strive to meet new friends and learn about other cultures. Generally speaking, the scouts tend to kind of hang out in their own, their own group of their own eth- ethnic group. And so we have a Nepali uh, patrol, we have a, a Syrian patrol, we have um, an African patrol, but they're certainly encouraged to mix and to get to know each other. And, and they do that, you know, they play, they play soccer together, they learn scout stuff together, they go on hikes together. The food is, is always a challenge. And we've kind of found a menu that works for everyone. It seems that chicken is kind of the one meat that doesn't seem to have um, any sort of restrictions. If you go across Hinduism and, and Christianity and, and uh, Islam and so on. Um, so, you know, we found, we found what works for us for food. Um, but I would say the thing that one of the things we also stress to the scouts is, is, reminding them that this is supposed to be a safe place for everyone. It's supposed to be a place where they feel comfortable. We like to remind ourselves as adults that these guys have already been kicked out of their own country. You know, they, they've already felt the sting of, of eviction on a, on a grand level. And so we, we really stress to them that they're all, even though they're all different, they're all the same and that they've come here seeking a better life and uh, a safe life and that they should respect each other and, and just acknowledge that they're all striving for the same thing. That is wow! What what cool work! That is so neat. And yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody in their right mind can argue with chicken. Chicken is, <laughs> I eat chicken all. I mean, I that's about the meat I buy the most of, and I can cook it about a thousand different ways. And yeah, anywhere I've ever traveled around the world, chicken was there. <laughs> so that's right. That's, that's right. So Sometimes we we even uh, you know dump about half a bottle of oil in a pan and then throw in the chicken. We call it, we're making the KFC and they like, they like that too. <laughs> Man, that is so unique. Like in the sense of what a, what a crazy challenge. Cause I never would have thought about food being 
It's definitely a challenge, man. That's, that's, I'm sure you've had to learn a lot and a very specialized, uh, specialized set of skills that you've had to learn compared to a lot of other Boy Scout um, leaders. So, so, you know, you said there's some other troops that are all refugee troops. Is that, are you in contact with them? Are you aware of them? Do you guys work together at all? Or, or is it kind of hard to connect? You know, it, it's a little tough to connect because there's so few. I've heard, I heard of one in Utah that was run by um, um, Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. However, the LDS Church is, is uh, ending their partnership with the Boy Scouts this year. So I don't think that troop's going to be around anymore. Oh, dang. Why and, is that? Uh, they, they, they said that they're just, uh, chose to develop their own youth program and they're going their own, their own way. So, um, it, it did kind of conspicuously come right as the Boy Scouts made all these changes to allow girls and LGBTQ and so on. But, um, we don't know for sure if it was related to that. Uh, and, and there's, there's one other refugee troop that we've been in touch with in Ohio. And, um, I don't really know the full extent of, of how they operate, but I have been in touch you know, but when it's a troop that's a couple thousand miles away, you start to realize, well, there's it's kind of difficult to stay in touch, and and you know what things are so different from one state to another in terms of how you operate that it, it's hard to even, uh, I guess, look at each other for lessons learned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, what what are some of your hopes with your troop in the next few years or in the future? Like, what are what are some of your goals with programming or, or numbers or or whatever? Yeah, so um, we definitely have a few goals in mind that we're working on right now. First of all, we've been trying to get a girls' troop up and running for a couple of years, and we've run into some different challenges there. Um, some some of it due to kind of the culture of 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 how these different uh, groups view the role of young women in society and so on, and some of it related to the realistic, uh, the practical matter of, of a lot of times the girls are taking care of babies at home and so on. And also some challenges with with finding uh, women, you know, who want to take out the the scouts and so on. But we're starting to cut through some of that stuff, and I really hope that we have a girls' troop up and running here in the next year. We also have started working on some of the Boy Scout rank advancement, and so I'd love to see us get our first Eagle Scout in the next few years. So that's something that's big on our radar. We're always looking to grow new, you know, bring in new leaders and grow bigger, increase our capacity to serve even more youth. And, um, and then also just, uh, look for new adventures. So as I said, we've been to Moab, we go up to Wyoming sometimes. Uh, it's, it's always a big draw to go to a new state. And so we'd like to bring some scouts even to uh, Nebraska, just to show them what that's like. We'd like to take scouts to the high adventure base in New Mexico called Philmont. We took a few scouts to that a couple of years ago, and we'd like to get back there and start doing that more regularly. Some of the things that we're looking forward to in the next few years. So, so what are some of the bigger challenges when it comes to making that stuff happen f- from your perspective? Generally speaking, having consistent adult leaders is one of the biggest challenges. And so we're, we're at a pretty good point now uh, to serve the number of youth that we have. But if we could find more adult leaders who joined up, that would increase our capacity. It would increase our ability to, to have really organized and smooth running campouts. The, uh, the girls' troop, I think, is something that we really need to look at internally and just and work with the refugee community to figure out how to make that work i think we have enough women who are interested in doing it that uh, we just need to figure out how to make that work and then in terms of the big trips the philmont high adventure and other states stuff like that again i'd say that comes back to having consistent adult leadership so 
so really the the thing our biggest limitation in terms of how we grow and and how we succeed is just finding those adult leaders who are willing to put in some time and get to know these kids and and uh, join us do you mind sharing a, a story or two from one of your trips where you thought like wow this is this is what we're doing is amazing and it's it's funny too because like the things that some of the sometimes like the things that stick out to you immediately are some of like the bad things that happen, but that's not oh, the yeah. picture that I want to oh, yeah. paint for people. You <laughs> well, know, that's, so just, like, that's just human nature. Get that out of my mind. Get that out of my mind. Get it out of my mind. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm uh-huh. you know, man, I used to guide trips, and I can tell you right now, I can literally point out, oh, this was the worst group I've ever had. I know exactly who they are, know their names, and if you ask yeah. me the best group, I would say, hmm. It would take me a second to remember the details because it's, <laughs> I don't know why, just negative things stick out, um, unfortunately. Yeah, funny how that works. yeah. All right. So, um, so just a few stories from our end. So every year we try to go up to high country somewhere up, up by elevation. So we're talking elevation of 10,000, 11,000 feet. And we uh, oftentimes try to go up around the Leadville area. There's a lot of public camp campsites up there where you can go with no reservation just throw it on your tents and so for the past few years we've been going up to this area kind of by by leadville and it's just such a different experience to get the kids up to that high elevation bring them to the ten thousand plus feet we're always reminding them warning them you gotta drink a lot of water you gotta eat right but of course there's always the one kid who decides he's just gonna drink monster and eat takis all weekend and then he's the one that's <laughs> throwing throwing up everywhere that you're cleaning up from um but then we you know we get those guys out there and we get them up to these alpine lakes uh we go on little hikes and it's it's amazing to to see to see it in their in their eyes as they come up to this environment that they've they've never seen something like this before these big mountains these big beautiful pristine alpine lakes and and the scouts are all so adventurous and they love the water so much We'll get up to an alpine lake and and um, anyone from that's been up to that elevation knows that it doesn't matter what time of year it is, those things are freezing. And then you look over and sure enough, the kids are in their shorts, jumping in, jumping around, doing flips, swimming around the lake. And, um, you know, they make it, they make the most out of every minute of it. We also like take them out fishing up in those areas. And it's fun when, you know, I end up learning something too. So for example, I, I'm not a great fisherman, but I'll take the guys out fishing and let's say we catch a few trout or something and I was showing them how to clean the fish. And so I show them how you cut off the head and I say, okay, well, we throw that in the bucket and we don't use that. And one of the scouts is like, what are you talking about? That's the best part. He grabs all the heads and says, if you don't want them, I'll take them. So there he is uh, cleaning out the eyes and this and that and and doing it all off and and showing me how he's going to use the fish heads to make a a soup that night. Um, So experiences like that are things that really live in in your mind almost forever where you get out into the right environment like this high alpine area so the kids are learning stuff you're learning stuff everyone's challenged a little bit because of the elevation and and a different climate and so on but not so much that it's overwhelming and and everyone ends up learning a bunch of stuff and uh, they go home with a lot of memories and of course pictures because uh always got to look for that new facebook profile picture i'm sure uh, so, th- so that's that's definitely one of the highlights is getting up to the high country. Another um, another memory that stands out is right here in the Denver area. Last year, last fall in November, we went to Bear Creek Lake Regional Park, and we usually go there every year. 
And uh, it was a great camp out because we did archery and we did fishing and we did swimming and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but at nighttime, it, it started to rain a little bit and it got pretty chilly and it got super windy. And here we are only a half an hour from home experiencing some of the worst conditions that I, I've seen camping with these guys. And uh, I got to really hand it to these scouts, even these guys that were brand new, had never been camping before. Um, they were in these kind of old used tents that we have. Not all of them are, are the greatest in terms of waterproofing and not all of them are the greatest in terms of zippers functioning and this and that. And we're just getting pounded on by this storm. And uh, the, the kids, by and large, just did a fantastic job. They all got in their tents and their sleeping bags. They huddled up together and I went around checking on them to make sure that they were all okay. Uh, even when one kid's tent got completely flattened and shredded by the wind, I mean, it was just destroyed. Uh, they just climbed into the into the van and uh, found a bench to sleep on for the night. Most of them uh, had a sleeping bag. One kid didn't have a sleeping bag. His was too wet, and and he was he just toughed it out. Uh, had no problems. So to see them persevere through a challenge like that was was really amazing too. And then the next day they get up, no one's complaining, no one's crying, no one's whining about it. Uh, these are tough kids and, and they just they just pushed right through it and, and they were determined to have a great time. So that really stood out to me as well as, as kind of an ironic one because thinking we were so close to home, you think it's going to be easy and it turns out being one of your most difficult ones. Um, but, but really proud of the, to see the scouts and how well they did with something like that. I want to take a second to tell you about The Nomadic. It's a subscription box curated for outdoor enthusiasts by outdoor enthusiasts. So each month you get a hand-picked selection of the latest and greatest outdoor gear that's been trip-tested and approved by The Nomadic product team, which is made up of guides, athletes, and you know, bona fide adventurers. They partner with brands like Mountainsmith, GearAid, Sealine, Mizu, Empowered, RX Bar, and a lot more. This month's theme is relaxed to the max. So one item inside is an exclusive hammock by Lawson Hammocks, an award-winning hammock maker who's been voted number one by Backpacker and Outside Magazine. So order by May 14th to get this box. So get quality gear by brands you trust delivered right to your doorstep monthly. Learn more at thenomadic.com slash ASP. This episode is also sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, 100% Arabica coffee with compostable packaging. You can find them at csinstant.coffee and use Adventure at checkout for 20% off. I love that. I love that. Yeah, the, the closest, you know, adventure is not, it does not have to be five, six hours away or a fly across the world. Adventure is right in your backyard and uh, absolutely you can catch you off guard too when it shows up so close to absolutely. home absolutely <laughs> yeah and i'm yeah. sure you were yeah. guys i'm sure you're the only boy scout troop to ever have fish head soup i would imagine <laughs> it's possible it's possible <laughs> and that is too funny that is that is so cool i mean there's just so many things like that that other troops in other people just never will have that kind of experience and to see oh man that's probably the got to be the best feeling in the world to see them come up on a lake because if you've never experienced you know tree line alpine lakes walking for miles and then have this open view of, of a, a mountain with this gorgeous 
turquoise or clear lake it is it it can really set you know just take you back um to first come on that view and if you it's your first time man that can change your life it really can it's it's so cool to see stuff like that and especially with something like the boy scouts where you get to know these kids really well you develop a, you know a relationship over the years with them and and uh, some of these uh, scouts that we have I found that their cultures are a little bit more open in terms of just kind of expressing affection and stuff. And so we have constantly have scouts who are just, um, thanking us and, and, uh, I guess just, just showing us that they really care about the fact that we're getting them out there. I even have one, uh, one young guy in the troop who insists on referring to me as his camping dad. And so we just really developed close bonds with these guys. And then, so to see them, you know, grow and experience things like this is, is pretty, pretty neat. What a, what an awesome life. What an awesome thing to be pursuing. What, what, what's your hope with some of the scouts? What, what, what do you want to see them do or become with their lives because of the influence of Boy Scouts? Um, yeah. So I really hope that we have an influence on the scouts just to show them more of what's out there, more possibilities. Sometimes, um, not necessarily because they're refugees, but but because of where they live and because of the communities that they that they live in, some of them think that you know the only viable outcome is that you work at McDonald's the rest of your life or something like that. And not that there's anything wrong with that. If a kid wants to do that and is happy doing that, I support him doing that. Um, but we got some sharp kids who they they strive for something more, and so showing them what career path exists in terms of um, you know, medical professions, IT professions, helping them understand that college is within reach if they want to do something like that, helping them understand what trade schools exist if they're interested in doing something with their hands. Um, and then also showing them what exists out there in terms of building community and, and being a good, being a good citizen, helping out your community, volunteering. Um, I think it would, it probably mean the most to me more than anything is if any of these guys grew up and then became scout leaders of their own or volunteered in their community in some way to give back. So those are the types of things that we're trying to show them. Just, just show them that there are options out there for their lives. And it's really uh, just a matter of you know what they want to go out and achieve. So if someone wants to get involved, do they have to have Boy Scout experience or can they just get a hold of you and, and start working on it? No, um, actually, a lot of our adult leaders do not have background in the Boy Scouts. And so what we look for in leaders is if they have scouting background, that's great. If they don't, that's okay, too. Ideally, they have some sort of outdoors experience. Um, people need to know that it's, it's, it's a very uh, kind of physically intense experience working with our scouts. You got to be out there hiking and running around and putting out fires and this and that. And, um, it takes, so it takes someone who's, who's willing to be active, who's willing to be out in the outdoors, who's willing to put in a lot of dedication, a lot of effort, and who is interested in learning about different cultures and, and learning from these scouts. But if, if anyone in the Denver, greater Denver, Aurora area is listening and, you know, feels like they might be interested, please just reach out to us. We're easy to find troop 1532 on Facebook, or you can probably google mango house that's where we meet and uh, we'd love to have more people join up if you're out there listening i know a lot of listeners are right here in colorado and a lot of them right here in denver or the greater denver area and you know hey if you got a love for the outdoors man you got to share it you got to get there's no, no use of, of of 
keeping it all to yourself. Get out there, show people this love, this passion you have, and man, you, you're, you're going to think it's so much more rewarding helping other people experience it versus just just experiencing it yourself alone all the time. Um, that was a big, you know, I, when I started first started showing people like guiding trips and, and helping people get out there for the first time, even though we weren't doing the most intense things or the most adventurous climbs or anything, it was so much more rewarding. Oh yeah. Seeing that look on people's face of seeing their first Alpine Lake or their first hike or their first big mountains and, or whatever, catching their first fish, it's setting up their first tent or campfire. I mean, it, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. What are some of the challenges, what are some of the things y'all are in need of uh, besides adult leaders? Yeah, so people ask us sometimes, what do we need in terms of gear or funding or whatnot? Um, we're funded by by Dr. PJ and uh, his clinic, and so we're thankful for that. In terms of gear, we're always looking for kind of little specific items, and so um, you know, some things that we're pretty good on right now is actually we're good on tents, we're good on sleeping bags, um, but people should recognize that we uh, we strive to provide everything that a scout may need for a campout. I mean, everything down to socks and boots and sweatshirt and pants. Um, we try to make it so that it doesn't matter if it's the middle of winter. If a kid shows up in flip-flops, t-shirt and shorts, we're going to make him successful that weekend. And so really, actually, the number one thing that we're in need of is if anyone's interested in getting rid of some old gear out of the closet is we need hard shell pants and hard shell jackets uh, for our winter activities and and for kind of the shoulder season stuff. That's the hardest thing that that we have to find. So that's probably the number one thing outside of adult volunteers. Other than that, just um, helping to spread the word, uh, like us on Facebook, follow our adventures and and share our share our information with people. Now you already mentioned how people can get a hold of you. Is there anything else you want to share? I don't think so. I think that probably covers it. Now, now, is this what you do? This is just a, it's a volunteer thing that I do. Wow. So, so what do you do for work? Um, for work, I, I work IT. I work on radiology software for hospitals and I'm, I, I work full time for a hospital in Boston, just out of my home here in Denver. Oh, wow. Dang, man. So this is all volunteer for you. Oh yeah. All volunteer and the scouts for quality stuff. I'll volunteer too. Golly, man. That is, uh, well, thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks. I, I've managed to find ways to keep myself busy. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. And you say it's fully funded by Dr. PJ. Yeah. So is, is growth, I guess, is growth going to be, uh, doable? You know what I mean? Is there like a certain point or, or, okay. Like it's not, it's totally doable. Um, so it actually, it turns out it's actually pretty cheap to run a boy scout troop with we get a we actually get some assistance from the council too in terms of like the annual registration fee is like 30 bucks a kid we don't have to pay that so mm, you know it saves okay. us a, a thousand a year the big thing that the council does for us is they give us free summer camp and that's i mean summer camp is crazy expensive it's like 400 bucks a kid or something and so you know with without that assistance from the council we wouldn't be able to do the boy scout summer camp but but outside of summer camp it's actually incredibly inexpensive to run a scout troop. Most, pretty much, all of our gear is is more or less donated, and so then you're really just looking at gas, food. Um, he had to buy a couple, uh, a couple of fifteen passenger vans, but that was kind of a one time expense. So, you know, I'd say, I'd say, um, I don't know, probably like within to run a scout troop for a year, maybe ten grand or less. So, I mean, it's it's a chunk of change, but like it's it's not something that's so expensive to where we can't scale up. You know, if we get more kids then we just need to buy a little bit more food, that's not that big of a deal. 
Yeah, that was uh, that's less than I would expect, honestly, for an entire year, yeah. ten grand. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. That's not nothing to. That's not nothing. But there's a lot right. of people who could fund a Boy Scout troop by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. I'm sure people waste ten grand on you know two bicycles a year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy. And uh, you know, it helps too. And we, we we do our best to try to find free camping if we can but we pay for camping at times we pay for cabins but um but yeah it's, it's actually not quite as expensive as people would think i don't think you're getting people out there to experience the outdoors mm-hmm. that's i mean there's nothing i don't think there's anything more important than that in this world just because it's something that you know our culture is slowly moving continually moving away from i totally so agree especially those kids especially the opportunities that they wouldn't have to to make this happen it is this is fantastic. Yeah, it, it definitely makes me feel good. I mean, I, I really got into the outdoors through Boy Scouts as a kid, and so it's just kind of passing it on. But it's, like you said, I mean, especially to an underserved community like inner city Aurora, and, you know, on top of that, refugees, it's just they don't they don't have the opportunity to do this otherwise. And, and it's, you know, it's impossible to say, like, what kind of spark you might light in some kid's mind that, um, you know, they go on and this becomes a big part of their life in the future. You never know you know, you say you don't get a lot of support from parents. What are the parents reaction to, to do to what the kids do if you hear from them? Um, so we don't hear from parents that often. I, there is a couple, actually one family in particular, a Syrian family who I, I see their parents pretty much every time I pick up the kids. And one of the kids has a lot of, um, behavioral issues. And so really that, that mom is just always super grateful that we're bringing her kids out, um, to, you know, get it some new experience and to interact with other people and to have some positive, like American role models. Um, you know, so I think, I think the, the reaction probably ranges from that kind of thankfulness to honestly indifference. Um, we have some, some kids who have come camping who, uh, their parents, I don't think really understand what Boy Scouts is. They kind of view it as maybe just their kid going out and having fun with friends for the weekend, not realizing that there's actually a lot more to it than that. And so, um, you know, it's difficult to say with, with the limited amount of interaction we have with parents. Yeah, that's tough. You know, that, I guarantee you're going to be sparking some, some big fires in these kids, man. And I just love when people are willing to share their passion for, for the outdoors, you know? And not yeah, just absolutely. make it all about what they've done, what their, you know, adventure resume is. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear, we hear a lot of that on the show, you know, people are, <laughs> there are some arrogant people. We're, we're pretty blessed with, with, with pretty humble people, but, um, every yeah. once in a while it's like, all right, come on, man. Like who gives a crap that you did this? <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. But, so this yeah. is great. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's, um, and we, you know, most of our adult leaders have some sort of outdoor interest. Like I'm, I'm kind of our backpacking expert and we've got another guy who's our climbing expert and we've both done pretty cool things, but it's not like, we don't go to campouts being like, guys, I'm going to give you a slideshow on when I did this trek in Alaska, you know, it's like, like, no, we're just going to like, we're going to go have fun and like, you know, slowly introduce these guys to the outdoors and let them find their own passion, let them find their own, their own way to it. You know, it's, we're definitely a group that's focused on like the humility of it's not about, it's not about the adults. It's about the kids. And if anyone you know, joins up and they try to make it about the adults, then we start having conversations about whether it's a good fit for them to be volunteering with us. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. So yeah, man, I'll look forward to that and we'll stay in touch. All right. All right. Great. I appreciate it. Justin, thank you so much, man. All right. Take care. All right. Yes, sir. See ya. Yep. Bye. Bye. 
Well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It really means the world to us that you want to spend your time with us. If you'd like to help us further, please just leave us a review on iTunes, share us on social media, tell your friends about us. You can become a patron, a supporter of the show for $5 a month at patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. And if you know somebody that would make a good guest, reach out. We're always looking for good adventure and outdoor stories. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Athletic Brewing makes the best non-alcoholic craft beer. Go to their website at athleticbrewing.com and use the code in our show notes to save 15% on your first order. The Nomadic, the first outdoor subscription box that helps you go on more adventures with the latest gear by delivering themed monthly boxes with innovative products and an outdoor challenge to match. Learn more at thenomadic.com slash adventuresportspodcast. After all this adventure talk, if you're needing some gear yourself, but you need some advice before buying, go to backpacktribe.com where you can ask questions to the owners who have experience with all the gear as well as all of it for sale right there on their website.